Rand Paul speaking some truth? He always does. Spitting fire. No. There's nothing new for him. I'm so excited about our guest today. We got Jason Whitlock. I've been wanting him on for oh, so long. Jason Whitlock, man. I've been yeah. following that dude for a while. Yeah. 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 Way, to go. Way to go. Excited to get him on. Uh, we also got, uh, what else is coming out? We got a video that we're going to play that involves pigs. I, I have no... Um, but you, you don't even I, know what to say on that. Even, you don't know what to say no, on no, that. No, no, you got to tell what happened. Toby comes in the office this morning. It's like, guys, I got a video. I got ideas too. I want. I want to contribute. And he gives us his video, and we just can't wait for you to see the video. So we don't know what's happening with it yet. Oh, Pastor Toby Chuck Knox, I'm the Water Boy, and don't forget, Chuck Knox was born in Oklahoma. Yes, uh, I was. Thank you guys I'm proud of for for I'm Joe. Gabe, you're still kind of worked up about that. I, man. I, I, for, I, well, I, he told me a long time ago that he's born in Oklahoma, and then I forgot, and he told me again, and now I will never forget. It feels like it like hurts yeah. your feelings. I, like, I hope he says it every show, <laughs> I know, right? just to keep rubbing it in. I'm <laughs> occupying space in your head, bro. Yeah, yeah. I ain't even trying. That's, that's like downloading an app on your phone. Like I got my app on your phone, like the Fight Laugh Feast app. Yes. Oh, that everyone should have that. Was, right that now. was that was really good. Yeah. Toby. Great transition right there. Because then you can get the daily news brief. Hey, yeah. make sure you guys subscribe to our magazine. I'm so excited about this. Shipments are going to be magazines are going to be shipping out soon in the next yeah. uh, two weeks. Yeah. Really excited about it. This issue is copy? laughter. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Simmer okay. down. Simmer down now. And um, uh, as we do our daily news brief, we we say this on our daily news brief, but I like to bring it up here too. Uh, uh, if you guys have a news article, if you've been reading through it, you think it kind of lines up with what people, other people need to be reading, send it to news at crosspolitic.com. That's news at crosspolitic.com. such a huge help for us. It's a huge help. I, and, uh, all, tons of articles end up in my daily news brief that yeah. I get from you guys. Mine and too. then they all end up, or a lot of them, all end up on deftwire.com, D-E-F-T-Wire.com, which is our news aggregator website. So good. Speaking of club members... Oh, uh, you like that? Why? You like that? Okay. Um, so, you know, Steve Lawson, he has a Bible study that gets um, uh, recorded and it gets put on YouTube, but it also goes on, on, some, on TV. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of our club members was at Steve Lawson's Bible study in, in filming. Okay they, were, okay. they were filming the Bible study and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, is, this is what happened. And go to another land that is, is, is a very dark place. False religion. <laughs> Watch him turn that mug. Um, no, no way. No, no, Watch him turn that mug. <laughs> <laughs> so he sent me that video. Hey, hey, bro. He said when the... Hey. He, he, he's, You're he's, the real MVP, bro. He's doing his fight lap. He's MVP. So the video... Where's my mug? The camera zooms in on him. He knows what's happening. He's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna represent fight lap face right here on TV. Turn that thing. Right on television. Can we send him a shirt since he's going to be doing this? We should. I said... Give I'll get a, you a shirt. So text shirt text me your address and I'll get and, you a shirt. And if and if you've got one of those mugs, yeah. and you want to send us a clip of you and some auspicious place, yep. we will share it. So it, and later on, they actually you know zoomed in a, another camera shot on him again, and it was full. The whole thing was in front and everything. It was Man. well done. Well done, club members. Yeah, well played. You guys gonna come and love God, sing psalms, defy tyrants with us, and rally. Rapid City, South Dakota. Why did I say? I was going to say Rally City. Well, Same thing. It, we're going to rally. It's going to be a Rally City for us. Yeah. Yep. We're so excited about our Fight Laugh Feast rally. Uh, I've been texting with Steve Dace. We're going to actually uh, do, be doing some more things with him. we got a, we got a whole experience that we're planning out for our conference. Man, we're really excited about we it. We need to get some of our Canada brothers out there to this rally. Man, I know. By the way, I just want to say free James Coates. Yeah. yeah. All right. Seriously. Free James free Coates. James yeah. Coates. Right. Yeah. Keep praying for those brothers up in Canada. What Stand a great strong. show you did yesterday, yeah. Gabe. Or yeah, check, on Thursday. check out the water break with, with yeah. Gabe. On well, I had three pastors 
was on from Canada yesterday, yeah. and they were just such a blessing, and they yeah. were I mean, they were on it. It was yeah. really good. good. Praying for them. Hey, you all know we opened up, we unraveled, unraveled. I don't know. We unveiled. That's the word. Yeah. We also unraveled. We rallied. <laughs> the uh, we unrallied the uh, <laughs> FLF Fight Laugh Feast scholarship for new St. Andrews freshman mm-hmm. gents. And we had a number of, of, of applications. We had a number of applicants, and we have whittled it down to three finalists. Yep, yep that's right. Uh, which we're going to do Good interviews, interviews with in the next few weeks, yep. and then we will announce the winner around April 1st, as promised, um, for the first annual Fight Laffy Scholarship to New St. Andrews College. And even if you missed the scholarship bit, you might think about applying before, you know, still should, yeah. t- totally filled up. If you Get out here. Come, come out to the one college in the nation that's not woke and knows the difference between boys and girls. <laughs> So <laughs> I can't believe we are literally having that that Ramp Hall yeah. is having this conversation in Congress right now. Genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been condemned by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because as the W... Move your mouse. Oh, move my mouse. Oh, okay. You can keep talking. That was a, okay, I'll let him keep going. Make sure... H.O. notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as W.H.O. notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, Transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parent's consent to give a child puberty block cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia. You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught, you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. 
She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Oh my uh, and goodness. if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff Kidding. about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Let it go into the record that You're the witness refused me. to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER. <laughs> but you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, do you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine wow. being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. Wow. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are... Dozens and dozens of people have been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. Oh, my goodness. We played that whole video. I thought, uh, I thought the whole video was yeah, important for context. No, I think it was, that was important. In case, in, in case you're sitting here thinking to yourself, um, who is, who is that, that Ron's talk, Ron's talking to? See what Gabe does it to me? Yeah. That, that is not a woman. No, it's a dude. That's a dude in a dress. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's why you're Who's going to be our confused. health secretary? Who, and, and by the way, assistant, uh, to be, assistant health uh, Tabidi uh, tweeted out he, uh, regarding this lady, man, um, I hold a traditional understanding of biblical sexual ethics, so I do not support transgender lifestyles as God-pleasing lifestyle. But that doesn't mean this person isn't qualified to be a doctor or one of the nation's chief doctors. It means they just need the gospel. Tabidi? What, what is wrong with him? What? Has he not Tabidi? read his Bible? He went, Brother, he, he, you know, when, when did he t- when did he tweet this? I need to find the this, date on this that. Is, oh, this is yeah. old. I think this is when the, the idea was floated around a, a, a while ago, a couple months ago. Or yeah, something? I think so, something like that. To Beatty. he would never. Where's your mom, uh, <laughs> <laughs> brother? Uh, well, you know don't, what? Don't you do this? You know, I, I, I mean, think about this for a second. Yeah, yeah. Think about this for a second. This doesn't mean this person isn't qualified to be a doctor, or one of the nation's chief. I mean, so he's saying basically, uh, you know, the president of the KKK. Yep. Could That's be right. he, just because he's racist, right? You know, and he doesn't support racism. racism. He completely opposes it. Racism is not a God pleasing lifestyle. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that this person isn't qualified to be um, involved in biblical reconciliation. So, would Tabidi trust any sort of medicine uh, presented to him by the KKK, or just <laughs> just bring it down? 
Yeah, what, what, if the, what if a white supremacist so, wants to be the president? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. How to Beatty said that Trump was not qualified to be the president because right. he hangs out with racists, which mm. I'm not even sure is true. But, you know, even if it was, how, how come you can't just do the same thing there? The Bible that he says he trusted, I wonder at what point that he starts to suppress, just like everyone else, especially the dude in the dress, Romans 1, where this person has completely gone insane but this is the, and given over. And, and he's not he's suppressing yeah. that right along with this person at this point. Right. And and the thing is, is so what we're, we're noting is that you have allowed brother to you are allowing basically our, the, the world standards. Yeah. The world standards says this is a really, really bad sin. Yeah. And you're letting that trump. Uh, yes. It's, it's racism. A sin. Of course it yeah. is. Yeah. But but you're effectively saying it's worse than this complete mutilation of of the image of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, and I want to actually say, you know what? Racism is bad, but I will go on record and I will say, no, you know what? This transmutilation is way worse. Oh, this is, this yeah. is hatred in your heart is a sin. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Right. But mutilating someone's body who's made in the image of God is way worse. Well, and, and, and you know, there is, when you have a leader, I've trusted Tabidi for a long time. I think he's had a great intellect. I've respected him for years. He came on our show he before. He came on the show before, and we had a great conversation. Did. But when I see something like this happening, I want to start wondering, at what point do we start saying, this is not a voice to listen to anymore? I know. When there's something like this, this is a serious issue. Right. Yeah. This person is sitting there, in, is, gone insane. They've absolutely gone right. to the complete end of this. They're insane. Right. right. A, pers- right. a person who believes in mutilating bodies, you're saying that does not disqualify them from being one of the nation's chief doctors? Yeah. The person doesn't know what right. health care is. Right. Well, we can't forget how, how we kind of got here. Um, you remember uh, homosexuals were asking for civil unions. We don't want marriage. Yeah. We want civil unions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they started fighting for marriage, and then Obergefell happened. And I remember, uh, you remember when Doug debated Andrew Sullivan yeah. Um, yeah. at University of yeah. Idaho? Yeah. And yeah. one of the contentions, one of the rubs in the debate was Doug was like, well, if you're going to get homosexual relationships, you're going to get polygamy. Yep. And, and Andrew Sullivan was like, no, that'll never happen. <laughs> Well, yeah. that, that was like no that's yeah. that's too far yeah. that's that's past the line yeah. and it, it, like within two months after Obergefell happened right. I remember we cries for polygamy were just yep. coming out yep. from Utah and Nevada yeah yep. Guys, well, and, other thing I want to say about this clip too with Levine it's very interesting to watch how he did not respond to the question, no. question at all he just, and he's a robot he knew that this was coming he knew that yeah. that ram was going to do this to him yeah. and he's like let's not make this an issue yeah. Yeah. let's not make this a point yeah. don't give don't give anything for him to latch on to yeah because he knows his point and what's yeah. happening because he knows it's not going to matter right. he knows everything that Rand did is if i don't make this a big issue and just repeat my lines that right. i've been given right. that should scare you right that yeah. should scare yeah, you. There's no argument. Because yeah, there's no way. Yeah, we're not talking we're not about arguing. this. We're not I'm going to bulldoze my way to right. do whatever I want to do, and yeah. I won't serve you. That's supposed to yeah. be a public servant. Yeah. Well, and, and here's, here's was my connection where I wanted to take what I, what I was saying is, like, the reason why we're now dealing with transgendered, we can see the slippery slope from homosexuality to polygamy yeah. to transgendered. I mean, transgender ideology is just been coming full-fledged in our face for the yeah. last couple of years now. Yeah. I mean, like, big right. time. Like, right. never before. Right. But we've, we've neutered the Bible. Absolutely. Right, we, we neutered yeah. scriptures. Yeah, we mutilated scripture That's first. That's right. We took gender out of scriptures. Right. We took our gender roles out of scriptures. We took yeah. we we, yeah. we allow for gender neutral pulpits we, now. We, yeah, we, we said first of all we said dudes don't have to be act like men. Yep. They can be they can they can basically, you know, we had dudes in dresses in the pulpit yep. first. Before we had women and in the pulpit. And then we had women in the yep. pulpit. That's right. Right. I mean, I mean you still have pastors with right. um, rebellious children, apostate yep. children, and a bunch of Christians are online yep. saying who's to say whether he's qualified to be a minister or not 
You're, What's wrong with you people? You're mutilating scripture, and so you get that, that's you right. Know, bi, and you and know, we had gender neutral Bibles long before yeah. we had gender neutral health uh, secretaries. Guys, so can you tell me about this clip? I want yeah, to guys. So so here's the thing. Um, so I love Rand Paul. Yeah, mad respect for the dude. Yeah, mad respect for the dude. I'm grateful for everything he did in that clip. Yeah, and, Ooh, there's and, a big butt coming, but there is a big butt coming. <laughs> the the one thing that a he pig's did, butt. that he didn't do that yes. he needed to have done yes is deny the premise. Absolutely. Exactly. He's yep. talking to a dude in a dress. That's yeah. right. That's right. Okay. Th- that's the problem. Okay. And and Christians, we get sucked into this so often. You have somebody who says, you know, um, there is no God. I do too have morals. Therefore, I can have morals without God. Yeah. Yeah. Christians is like, oh, that's a good point. Respectable. Right. No, and you deny the premise. Yeah. No, you, no, I do not accept the premise there is no God. Yeah, that's right. You're standing, you're made in the image of God. And we do this over and over again with other arguments where there's a premise that we need to deny. Yeah. The premise in this argument right here mm-hmm. was a dude in a dress. Yeah. Okay? That's, that's, it's not worth his respect at all. That's right. Now, it's an individual made in the image of God still. That's right. Um, I'm not saying be cruel, wicked, anything, but he, he needs Rand needed to have denied the premise. Okay, and and that's what that, that's my clip. My, my clip is basically this is this is what the liberals do. The liberals do is they bring something into the room and they say, here, argue with this. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's basically it. And, 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 and here's the argument. That's Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and, and what Rand Paul did was basically give a, a little musicology lesson and say, basically, no, that's not music. Yeah. You know, you know that, that's, you know, it, it's not very musical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and you're, you're distorting music. You're, yeah. you're mutilating music, which is true. Yeah. But, the, but he, what he needs to do is deny the premise and say, that's not a musician. Yeah. That's, yeah, right. that's a pig. That's a pig in a dress. Yeah. Right? That, that's, 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 you're, you're completely, um, you are attacking the image of God yeah. by saying this is okay. And, and what we need. You know who did that though? Who? Levine did that. Yeah. Levine, you, the up, opposite way did that with him. And said, this is a very complicated issue. Yeah. Right? Like, he yeah. started and, assuming and he, a center yeah, about he this. he assumed the center. And Christians, you cannot let them assume the center. That's that right. That we needed to have, um, you know, all the Republicans who came through and questioned um, Levine. All the Republicans who came in and said, this is an attack on our faith. This is an attack on, you know, parental um, rights. And this is an attack right. on gender. Right. Okay, great. But what none of them did right. was have what, you heard? But what every one of them <laughs> needed to have done yes. was to call Levine on the spot yeah. and say, right. "Why have you walked in here in a dress?" Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, yeah. we need the we need the boy who cries, "The emperor has no clothes." Yeah, have you not heard that from the beginning? God has yeah. made them right. male and right. female. Have you not heard that? You, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, yeah. Mr. Levine. Yeah. You are a man. You are not a woman. Right. And you and he is standing. Here's we've said this before. Every time a dude in a dress is honored as if that's a woman, right. Ooh, what that, an that is an attack and an insult on yeah. every woman that's made right. in the image of God. That's right. You do not get to become a woman. You do not get the dignity and honor of a woman made in the image of God because you put a dress on or because you put implants in your chest or because you put lipstick on this morning. That's right. Right. We have we have women. That's right. 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 I have a wife. You have a wife. Right. I have daughters. I know what a real woman is, and you're not one. That's right. You are a middle finger at every woman in this that's country. Right. That's right? right. This is blackface. That's right yeah. for women. Okay. That's absolutely. This is blackface for women. And if that is a disgrace, if that's somehow an attack on the blackface of a man that God created yeah. in His right. image, then that is an even greater disgrace and an even greater attack. Mm. Right. And none of our leaders called that out. 
Right. Rand Paul. Next time, come on, brother. If yeah. you're a Christian, That's if right. you're a Christian in the in the, in, in, the, in the House and the Senate, you're involved in rep, in this. Call it That's out. Right. Amen. Amen. That's how we win. Coming up next on Cross Politic, I've been waiting for this for the next two segments. We're yeah. going to have Jason Whitlock with What's us. Up? You don't want to miss this. This is going to be great. Twenty-ish questions with Jason Whitlock coming up next. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. I joined Toby. Hey! <laughs> that, that's my text. That's my text. All right, I got to do it. Come on, don't do that. We got, we got Jason on the line. Yeah, me. Don't, right. don't embarrass, don't you, embarrass you, you guys in front of Jason. No, with Jason on the right, boy. Come on now. Right. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politics on the one and only Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. Yes. With us now on the line, we got Mr. Jason Whitlock, longtime sports writer, TV personality, radio host, podcaster, graduate of football letterman of Ball, Ball State, State University. Whitlock established himself as one of the country's best, most fearless sports journalists while working at the Kansas City Star. His columns dissected the intersection of sports and race, won him prestigious Scripps Howard National Journalism Award for commentary in 20, 2007. Okay. He's the lone sports writer to ever win that award. In the past decade, Whitlock has used influence to establish two black media projects. He founded ESPN's The Undefeated website and steered Fox Sports One studio. Yes. Ooh, show Speak yeah. for Yourself. Yes. Mr. Whitlock, thank you for joining us on Cross Politic. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So we're going to play a little 20 questions. We haven't done this in a while. This is, a, this I, I, is, a this is my little, favorite game. This yeah, my favorite a little 20 game. questions here. You ready? Jason, should Oreo cookie be less white or less transgender? I don't know. Which one? Uh, <laughs> mm, that's a tough question. I would, I'm going to have to say less transgender because I like Oreo cookies, so I don't want them to change anything. <laughs> and so I might have to say less transgender. Okay. I, you know, well, I like my cookies without politics. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't we all? All right, who's that? Oh, me. Um... How do you think the NBA should have handled the whole China-Hong Kong debacle? Mm. How should they have handled it? Mm -hmm. Probably, again, I'm not going to answer the question maybe you wanted, probably the way that they did, given their financial entanglements and their goals uh, in China, uh, this is the problem when you become a global corporation uh, the next thing you know, other countries and the cultures of other countries start influencing a very American business, the NBA, a league that plays over here. But <clears throat> they want a, they wanted and probably still do a huge television contract from China. Yep. And so they started having to kowtow and placate China. And so that's what they ended up doing is, is, placating China because their business interests 
demand that they do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, can, can I do a follow up? Can I do follow up? Follow up. Real okay. quick. Okay. Should have players have handled it the same way as the NBA? Uh, based on their financial concerns and ties to the shoe companies, Nike in particular. Uh, this is the only way they could handle it. LeBron James and Nike make a lot of money in China and plan to make a lot more. Mm. And many of these NBA players go over to China during the offseason to make money, and they make a lot of money through their shoe companies or selling of their shoe products. And so they're locked in to their reaction. And this is why I've been saying for a long time, Running around and expecting any of these athletes to be like the athletes of the 1960s, Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. John Carlos, Tommy Smith, it's stupid. Because if Muhammad Ali was tied to a major corporation mm. that was paying him for, over the lifetime of a contract a half billion dollars, he would have done things differently. Yeah. Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali answered to the religious organization that he joined, the Nation of Islam. Yeah. Uh, LeBron James answers to the business organization and he joined Nike. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Ah! Toby. All right. All right. Ow! Ow! Me and James, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know the question I'm going to ask. Best baseball player of all time. Okay. Uh, it, it's hard not to say Babe Ruth. I, I I will not say Babe Ruth only because, and I think he has a claim to it, but he played before integration and before it was truly a global competition. Mm-hmm. And so I think the best baseball player we've seen compete with baseball, you know, as a truly global competition in Major League Baseball is either Barry Bonds or – uh, I, I'm kind of partial to Ricky Henderson. Yeah, I, I, I think he's under yeah, estimated. Oklahoma's. But the, 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 the but if not Barry Bonds, there's three guys in it to me: Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, yeah, and and I'm partial to Ricky Henderson. Mm. I, I respect that. Yeah, it's good. All right, all right, all right, Gabe. Greatest all time: Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Oh. It's not even a question. Michael Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's all we need. Jason has said. Jason has said. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is number two. Oh. So, oh, okay. All, all right. Not, all right. not Diesel? All right. Not Diesel? Um, who would have no. been? <laughs> Can I have my time, please? Go ahead. Go ahead. Please Go ahead. be less white. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> who would have been and who will be the best halftime show for the Super Bowl? Who has been the best halftime? Yes. Or, or who could be? For the Super Bowl? It's, it's two questions. Who has been and then who would be in the future? It's hard for me to, because I can't, did, has, did Michael Jordan, Jackson ever do the halftime yes. of the Super Bowl? That's what I'm waiting I for. I say Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, there we go. I say Michael Jackson. <laughs> the Michael. I wasn't there. I didn't and, see it, but he was. And I did see it. I just don't remember it because I don't remember things that well. Yeah. And then who would be the best halftime would be Adele. Adele. Thank you, Adele. All right. All right. Adele. Okay. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Jason, <laughs> Will. Adele's the greatest thing going right now. Okay. I see you. All right. Um, will we ever get sports back from BLM and social justice? Ooh. Unlikely. 
because corporate America is all in on this and uh, the players, social media, big tech is all in on this and the players are addicted to building social media brands. And so pretending that they are experts on criminal justice and pretending as if, you know, America is the most racist place on the planet, that's important to social media. And so that's going to remain important to athletes. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I got to follow up on this. Yeah, I got to follow up. Go Are we going to ever get sports back from the COVID? Yes. I do think that, you know, probably starting in June or July, we're going to be back to kind of normal here in America. And I think you'll see full baseball stadiums by June and July. And time football season rolls around, we'll all be tailgating and watching football like we used to. There's going to be a third wave, though. <laughs> Or fourth, I thought we were fourth, fourth, fourth wave. Fifth wave. Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay, so thanks for ruining my life here, Jay. So with the with the woke cancer that is inside of sports right now, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, um, do you think we need to start our own new leagues to start combating what we want in sports again? Uh, do we need to? I'm not sure. Would I like to see it? Absolutely. And I think that it's unfortunate that these spring football leagues or uh, what, what did Vince McMahon just try? He, he just tried the XFL, XFL all yeah. over again. Yeah. 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 Someone needs to start a football league and, and make it anti woke mm-hmm. and everything is traditional, patriotic, but I, I'd make the players, uh, you know, shave and de-emphasize tattoos. I'd go the total, complete opposite direction. And uh, I don't think it would be, and I would make it a competitor, to be honest with you, for college football more than the NFL. I would offer kids 18 and up an opportunity to come play in that league, make 100,000 or so, uh, and make it a feeder system to the NFL and I think it would be successful. And then over time, because it would be so, you know, the national anthem, everything would be traditional that it eventually would put pressure on the NFL to go back to its core values. Mm. That's interesting. Hey! That's good. That's good. Is it my turn? No. I feel like it's my turn. It's your turn. It's Pastor it's Toby's turn. turn. Is it your turn? No, it's Pastor's turn. <laughs> it's my turn. Okay. You guys convinced me for a second. So if you had to choose... Who was more valuable to you as GM? Would it be Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Hold on. If I had to choose who was more valuable, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? That's right. That's the question. Tom Brady is clearly a special player and creates an environment that makes it easy to coach and all that, but I would still go with Bill Belichick. Whoa. Uh, okay. And, and I say that with zero disrespect for Tom Brady. I yeah. think what he yeah. helped establish very quickly there in Tampa uh, is amazing, but but doesn't that I, I prove that he's more valuable? Like like for him to be able to establish what he did in Tampa, Tampa doesn't that prove that he's more valuable? <sighs> Well, uh, Tampa had a lot of talent, man. Yeah. And so it, 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 you know, all those wide receivers, great defense, 
Uh, offensive so line. To me, offensive line, to me, it yeah. kind of proves like, wow, Jameis Winston really must have been off. <laughs> My number one takeaway. Oh, man. That's good. Look, I think what Brady did was great, and I I think he still allows himself to be coached, and that helps the other coaches coach all the rest of the team. And and I think we've underestimated. Brady has elevated my respect for him, and I already had a great deal of respect for him. But so far, he has not diminished Bill Belichick. And and so I still think, but we'll see over the yeah. next couple of years. Bill Belichick's got to put a better product out here yeah. next year than he did this past year. That's real. Hey, hey, hey! You know, since we're talking about uh, football, uh, has has the Rooney Rule been good or bad for black coaches in the NFL? And and mm. if not the Rooney Rule, then what? I think the Rooney Rule has been good for black coaches, uh, but I don't think it's the answer or the solution for uh, a problem that's probably a bit exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the 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 mainstream me. Oh, I just said yesterday over Twitter. I'm I'm not using that term anymore. The corporate <laughs> cross politician. Yeah. yeah, the corporate authoritarian media oh, yeah. has decided that because the NFL has 75% black players, uh, that it must 12% NFL head coaches is, is a crime and it needs to be closer to 25 or 50% and blah, blah, blah. And only racism is the only explanation. And Corporate authoritarian media is, is media is dishonest. We won't tell the whole story. Uh, look, if 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 we're going to start applying that standard, whoever has the most employees, it, it it must be reflected in who coaches the team or whatever. Uh, where do we stop with that? And do we go over to baseball and say, well, hold on, you know? Yeah. Uh, what percentage of the players are Latino, Dominican, whatever? Right. And do, do the managers have to fit this requirement? It's it's there's a racial game being played on all of us in America. The corporate authoritarian media cam, as I call them, <laughs> uh, are determined to racially divide us in every way possible. Mm. And it's come into the sports world because sports had been a place where we were less divided than any place in America. Yeah. To me, it's... Uh, and so I just want to say, look, if they want to carry that stupid argument out, again, then white fans can say, well, hold on, man. We're buying the overwhelming majority of season tickets. Yeah. We're buying the overwhelming majority of jerseys, concessions, <laughs> and blah, blah, this, that, another. So uh, we want to see more white cornerbacks <laughs> and running backs. And yeah. we want to see more white wide receivers. We want that to be to hit some statistical number. Uh, and listen, I, I would love to see more uh, black coaches in the NFL. I would love to see them earn it. Uh, and I, I think 
to say that Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator at the Kansas City Chiefs, or who has that title with the Kansas City Chiefs, to say he's not getting a head coaching job because of racism is total BS. Mm, it's, yeah. it's not. It's it's not true. He's had like ten interviews. At some point, you would have to ask the question. Well, hold on, man. What's going on? Trust me. If if I had ten interviews when I was nineteen and needed a job in the summer. And I got ten interviews and didn't get a job. My parents would be looking. Hey, man, what you doing in that interview? <laughs> right. Don't tell me it's racist because uh, Junebug got a job, yeah. and you yeah. know yeah. your yeah. brother got a job. <laughs> you know, you know. So cut it out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a long-winded answer. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. That's a good one. Uh, um, I'll give you one more two passes. Okay, but this okay. is one last one. But I want to ask, what happens now to women's sports that it seems like now dudes can play them? Uh, it's going to be problematic. And for <laughs> those of you that are parents uh, of daughters or just parents in general, uh, just get prepared for a crazy world where because some of this is going to come. Let's say you're a pretty good athlete who really, really wants to go to college. Yep. But as a sprinter, you're not good enough as a man. Yep. Would somebody be like, well, hold on, man, let me switch up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can get this college scholarship or whatever and, and move up in the world. And again, I don't know what the requirements are. If you have to have, I don't think you have to have the surgery in no, order to compete. You, you just got to start taking hormones or whatever a year in advance. I can, yep. Yeah. I can see people making that calculus and saying, you know, I'll take these hormones and you know, man, I, I just, it's a crazy world. We're constructing. I, I, I have some empathy, empathy for uh, trans transgender people, but we have to, as a society, we have to acknowledge not everything is for us. And so we're in this mindset is I can have everything. I can do everything. And let's, and I say this sympathetically with empathy. I'm not trying to be mean spirited, but let's say you are transgender and don't feel blah, blah, blah. Maybe athletics compete, you know, competing against other women is just not in the cards for you. And I say that as someone who. Uh, who feels like because of my mindset early on when I was younger, I'm 53 now, uh, but throughout my 20s, 30s, probably 40s, I'm just being completely honest and transparent here, I didn't really believe in monogamy. And so marriage wasn't really for me. And so I never got married. Everything's not for me. I think we have this mindset in America that we can have it all. And it's an improper mindset. You need to uh, accept that not everything is for you yeah. and that your personalities or the way you were created. Man, I would, <clears throat> I would love to uh, ha have had all the dating options that Denzel Washington had. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, so Jason, go on a diet, lose some weight, get in better. You know, it wasn't for me to have all those opportunities. I can't have everything. I can have what is meant for me or, or what's appropriate for me. But 
I can't ask everybody to change all the rules just so that mm. it, it works for me. And so yeah. that's another long-winded answer. That's right. Yeah. Speak for yourself, Jason. You got one more? Or are we pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give one more. Well, you got it? Last one before we go next segment. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, so I'm the pastor, so I'm going to ask the pastor question. Um, yeah. Since you brought up monogamy and all, yeah. Um, yeah. Who who is Jesus Christ to you? They come to get you, Jason. Is something you want <laughs> to tell is us? Jesus Christ to me, my Lord and personal Savior. Uh, he is God in a human form who came and sacrificed His life for my sins. Sounds like a creed. Uh, um. I don't know. He's he's the person that keeps me humble and, uh, you know, has laid a blueprint for me to evolve as a human being and, you know, has, you know, paid a huge debt for my sins. And uh, I hope that every day I become a, a better reflection of my respect and love for Jesus Christ. And I, obviously I'm very flawed as I just mentioned to you all, I am a sinner and, uh, but I'm trying to get better every day. And Jesus is my role model, uh, that I'm trying to use to improve every day. Man, as a pastor, was my answer any good? Man, <laughs> I, I was trying to hold back, but amen, brother. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to follow up on some of those other flaws, though. <laughs> but, no, that was, a, that was a great answer. Praise yeah. God. All right, so, oh, man, I'm glad. Jason, for one more segment, quick break. We'll be right back. There's a bunch of questions I want to ask Jason, like, what made him come out and start swinging like so crazy? It's not too long ago. More cross politic coming up next. My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996, so I'm coming up on 24 years. When people ask me, does it really work? I say, oh, it works fantastic. I send my money to somebody every month. But we had a need with my wife. Uh, was it spent a little bit of time in the hospital about three months ago, and so I had, I had a checklist with about 39 names on it, and 39 checks came in. Some of the cards, some of the things people had to say, it was amazing to watch. Sorry, this is a longer drop. I just, is, this, is this a new one? This is, yeah, you know, sometimes I have things in the pocket I don't, I don't always bring out. Yeah! I, I got it right. I timed <laughs> okay. it. Jason's like, when is this over? Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm so I'm done good. with this interview. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Welcome right. back to Cross I'd be giving you short answers if I was ready to bounce. Oh, yeah. no, no. <laughs> well, we'll know now. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. The Water Boy, Chuck Knox. I'm Pastor Toby, and with us on the line still for a second segment, Mr. Jason Whitlock. Ah, oh, man. Um, so, Jason, I've been watching you on Fox Sports One for a long time, man, and I, I've just enjoyed your take. I was there watching when Colin Hurd was there. Actually, mm-hmm. that's how I found out yep. about Colin yep. was watching there, and um, there's I'm, through watching, I was enjoying your your monologues that you were doing. And somewhere in these monologues, man, it felt like that you made this turn and you just took off the gloves and started swinging hard at sports culture, social justice and the whole movement. What happened to you that all of a sudden you're like, no, this is this is the battle we need to be in. And this is the fight that we need to be a part of. Like, were you ready to forget your job when you did that? (laughs) Was I ready to what? Forget your job when you started doing that? (laughs) 
Nah, literally, I, I'm not. Once I started doing monologues on the show, and that was, I think, the last two years of the show, or a year and yeah. a half, or whatever, uh, you know, the gloves kind of came off just because. I think a great monologue is a great start to a talk show. Yep. And I was just doing it, trying to build the ratings of the show and, you know, trying to make the beginning of the show an event like yep. that people were like, man, I got to catch with last monologue. I got to be there for the start of the show. Right. Yeah. I want to know what, you know, but, and I want to set a great table of discussion for the athletes and the journalists that we had on it. So it was just me trying to do the best television as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like, and I don't know how it much. It seems like there's like a, a, a conscious, uh, you know, also decision to kind of um, start speaking, you know, some things that were really on your mind and really on your heart. Like it, what, it, I understand the ratings thing. That, I mean, that, of course, that makes sense from the show business side. But you don't say those things with, without certain convictions starting to come into play. But, Gay, I don't. Once, did you follow my writing career in Kansas City or <laughs> any place else? ESP. I've always kind of been the tell it. Not all kind of. I've been the tell it like it is guy in writing. Yeah. And uh, so once you start doing a monologue, you actually write the monologue, right. and so. The monologue is a reflection of my column writing style, which, you, you know, has always been the same, uh, you know, since I started writing columns in Kansas City in 1994. I was writing them in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1992. And so what you saw in the monologue was just a reflection of my column writing style. But I guess part of it, what it, what it was, too, was that um, there was a contrast, I think, of this kind of conversation happening on the channel that it was happening on and you don't get up and you don't have that type of tone against the, the gods of, of the sports world. You don't say anything bad about black lives matter. You don't have a criticism of the struggle of black coaches inside the, the, the NFL. You, you don't come in and say, Hey, guess what, bro? You might be doing something wrong. You can't say that on ESPN. On, on, yeah. And you, and so, or Fox sports one, you, you yeah. just don't do that. And then, so the last two years, it's almost like, yeah, let's make better TV. But then you, you also, I didn't read your sports stuff before in Kansas City. I went back to start reading some of the articles you had written because I'm like, whoa, all of a sudden in that last two years, it wasn't a network conservative network at that at least that didn't want to talk to Jason Whitlock about these conversations. So and and don't hear this as criticism. It's just facts. Yeah. When I when I did the show with Cowherd, you got Cowherd has a big brand all of his own. Yeah. And so I had to do a show that was respectful of Cowherd's brand. And we had to have conversations that Cowherd mm. felt comfortable participating in and being a part of. And so once Cowherd has left and now I can start having these conversations with people that are more comfortable and it fits their brand, and mm -hmm. they have plenty to say on those topics. That's what liberated and freed me to start playing like, well, okay, let me do what I did in my columns. Okay, That's always attracted attention, and, and it's, it's reflective of me. Mm -hmm. And so what you saw with Speak for Yourself in those last two years was a show that was 
more reflective of me and my point of view than reflective of me and Colin Cowherd's point of view. Uh, okay, that's, that's, that's really helpful. Now, why did, why did you end up leaving Fox then? Was that be, because you're starting to get pressure to leave because of, of some of the truth no, you were speaking? No, there was no, not at all. It, it literally, you got it. I, I, I'm honest to a fault. And so I'm about to be honest to a fault here again. So are we. It was, so, it was solely about uh, the ratings growth that the show had because of the execution of my vision. And we had a disagreement of what my value was moving forward, having right. proven that point. And they using COVID as an excuse were like, we want to keep your salary status quo for the next two years. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I've shown you yeah. that if you take the gloves off and really support this, this this could be, should be, will be the best sports show on TV. Yeah. And yeah. I want to be paid like that, and I want the show supported like it could be the best sports show on TV. That's right. The, the network had other commitments and, uh, you know, so I just said if – if I'm not going to be given the full opportunity to do this thing at the highest level yeah. and be the best, I need to go someplace where I can just do more of me and be paid. Uh, you know, I want to eat what I kill. Amen. So if I'm killing oh, yeah. a lot, I want to eat a lot. Yeah. See, that's really interesting because now I think that through that, do you think that you've proven – especially knowing now with the, kind of a little bit of the back history of what just happened, have you proven that you can do what you want to do and be cancel-proof? Have I cancel-proof? I'm not sure. Amazon, ha and they haven't come after me in that way yet. Right. Uh, so cancel. What I felt like I proved was my voice can be heard regardless of platform. It doesn't matter if I'm on ESPN, if I'm on Fox Sports, if I'm on Outkick.com, or cross my voice can be heard. Yeah, if I, my <laughs> voice can be my voice can be heard and cut through, yeah. and will gain traction. And and that my point of view, people are thirsty for my point of view. Yeah, that's what I feel like I've I've proven. Uh, whether or not I can be canceled, I don't know. They they canceled the president or the former president mm -hmm. yep. uh, off of social media and these other apps, and they you know. So who am I if they can if they can silence a former president? They can certainly silence me. You, you know, it seemed like the Rooney Rule didn't really help you with Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be crystal clear. The people at Fox treated me very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had a disagreement about yeah, yeah. what my future compensation would be. So That's now, now that you're, you already mentioned this, you're, you've separated from Outkick. Kind of what's your, what's your next, uh, you know, next. Yeah, steps? what's next for yeah, Jason man. Whitlock? I mean, our, our network that we're building uh, here, or what? You know, <laughs> uh, I think you're going to be seeing me do more of. Uh, what I was doing at Outkick, but with me having a bit more control, working with people that I trust. Uh, and so, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, to announce something soon about what I'm going to be doing next. And, you know, there's been plenty written about me talking with the Blaze, me yeah. talking with Fox News. Yeah. 
And so I'm just, I'm just being more deliberate. I think in my uh, dealings with uh, Clay Travis and Outkick, I was not deliberate enough. I didn't do enough due diligence and homework. And I ended up partnering with uh, uh, one person that I, I, you know, completely don't trust. And another person who was a bit different than I anticipated uh, when push came to show. And I don't want to make those mistakes again. So, uh, Jason, back to some of what we were talking about at the end of the last segment. How does how does your Christian faith influence um, your work in the public sphere? Talking about pub, you know, politics, social justice, and so on. How does your faith in Jesus influence what you say and you know, what you believe? Uh, for me, it makes me fearless. And that's what faith is really about. Mm. And I think that what we're seeing in America is a society and a culture controlled by fear mm. and uh, fear of any and everything. The media, the corporate authoritarian media uh, stirs fear and promotes fear every day. They want, they literally have been for five, six, seven years now, the corporate authoritarian media has been trying to convince black people that if you see a cop, your life is in danger. Mm. Uh, and so uh, if if we have this thing, COVID, and I, I respect COVID, I get it, but America and humanity has lived through health pandemics yep. without retiring to their homes and living as shut-ins for the rest of their lives. But because the society has become so secular, because we've removed God mm. as a culture and as a society, fear is in control. And so we've all locked ourselves up and we're double and triple masking. Yeah. And, uh, and so for me, one of the reasons why I'm so honest and deal with people in a transparent way, and I'm not afraid to, uh, tell an executive, Hey man, I appreciate that offer but I don't think it's reflective of my true value. And so I'm going to do something else. It's because I try to move without fear because of my faith. I let my, it's easier for me than others. Cause I don't want to say that other people uh, are, are just controlled by fear. I have less responsibility than most guys, my age who are uh, heterosexual Christians or whatever, generally speaking, have a wife and kids at this point. And my decision-making would likely be different to some degree if I had a wife and kids to answer to. And so you combine my faith with my lack of responsibilities, and it really makes me fearless. And, and then the other thing in terms of where faith plays a role is people, man, why are you so honest? And it's because I believe I, will be, I would be dishonoring God if I wasn't honest. And so I can't go on TV and say things to athletes or about athletes that I think like bad advice, like Colin Kaepernick, everybody, oh, Colin, he's the greatest thing in the world. And <laughs> taking a knee is the greatest thing in the world. And it's, it's blah, blah, blah. I can't tell those lies because trust me, I have conversations with people who go on TV and say all kinds of things. And then you talk to them off TV and they're saying something completely different. Yep. 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 I can't do that. Yep. And, and it's again, it's, 
that is my faith. It's really not me. It's my faith that compels me that I, I just can't tell those lies. I can't. I don't want other athletes, whether black or white, I, at least for me, I don't want them to think, well, well man, Jason Whitlock thinks that, that taking the knee is a great thing and it's going to do X, Y, and Z. At least for, I'm going to tell the athletes the truth. Hey, man, you're damaging your business, potentially going to hurt your income overall and or career, and you're accomplishing nothing of value. You've made some gesture that may get you a few extra tweets and likes and followers, but in turn, because Colin Kaepernick, I don't think at any point in his life ever lived in the black community. At mm. any point in his life, mm. I did. Yeah, and people in the hood aren't sitting around. Man, I better get this ADT and I better be packing this gun because the police may come and kill me. <laughs> that, that's not what's going on in the hood. That's and right. I'm tired of people getting on TV. Oh, I gotta have the talk with my kid. You got to put your hands at a 10-2 and you got to do this and do that because the police make you. That's not the conversation going on in the hood. Stop it. Cut it out. And 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 name me a parent who wouldn't tell their kids, hey, man, when the police pull you over, just comply. <laughs> Obey with whatever they say. Don't do nothing. Don't do nothing that scares these people. Put, you know, every parent, you would be irresponsible as a parent, black, white, green, whatever, yeah. if you didn't tell your kids that. But we continue to watch people go on TV. Oh, black parents, they have to tell their kids to respect the police. And white parents, they tell their kids, just talk crazy to the police. Do whatever you want to the police. Because the police, you white. And the police won't do a damn thing to you because they scared of you because you got white privilege. <laughs> it's all BS. I can't do it. I can mock it, but I can't do it. Yeah. Jason, I got to ask. So then, you know, talking, we were talking about the Rooney Rule earlier and just in, in, in context of what you're saying now. Um, you know, the Rooney Rule happened because it was, it was a Dan Rooney, the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was aware of the things that were happening to black coaches getting overlooked because of being an owner, right? And so he knew that something needed to be done because he saw good guys miss out on great opportunities. So there was a real struggle for black coaches. As you look at the landscape now, outside of all the falsities, do you think there's still a real struggle for black people in America? And what is that struggle? Well, do I think... There's a struggle for black people because you ask a lot there. You said a lot and then you asked something. So is this about black people in America or black coaches? No, it's about, it's about I'm, I'm just saying the Rooney rules was created for a real purpose and a real reason. And because of that, you know, they tried to do something and fix something and kind of broke the system a little more, maybe. But looking at that, there was a real struggle there, a real issue going on. So when you look at America now, do we have I'm not talking about the face, the fake, you know, Police are killing us every day. Um, social justice movement. Do black people in America really have a real struggle today that is getting overlooked because of all the falsities about social justice? Okay, so yes, is there a problem for black people in America and that's impeding our progress? Yes. What 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 is that? What what I would put. At the top of the list is, because there are several things, but what I would put at the top of the list is 
uh, particularly for young black people in this generation is we're abandoning Jesus Christ mm. in Christianity. That was, I would put that at number one on my hit list in terms mm. of impediment for black people. If you understand the African-American journey oh, come on now. in America, come on now. It, it is defined by our Christian faith. That's right. Religious faith. Cause I, just religious faith, but our primarily Christian faith. If That's you right. really want to understand the African American journey, and so we are like, uh, we will be if, if a, there's another Bible written two, three thousand years from now, someone will be like, man, let me tell you this story about these great people in America who survived slavery and Jim Crow and use their Christian faith to overcome these things. And it led all, they had this guy Martin Luther King, and then the next thing you know, there was a black president, and those people abandoned their faith in God. Mm. And mm. let me tell you what, they got wiped out. They got incarcerated like Samson. Remember the story of Samson? <laughs> he yeah. got out of hand, and God had to put him in jail to humble him. Mm. And and so when we as black people talk about mass incarceration, yeah. this is, and and what's going, this is this is biblical. We are being humble for abandoning our credit. So I would put that at number one. Yeah. Then I would put number two, which is connected, because once you abandon your faith in God, uh, you become susceptible to uh, satanic messaging and life philosophies and Marxism Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. communism and social things that are hostile to God. And then you start believing that you can't accomplish great things. Well, this thing's so rigged against us. No wonder we can't do anything. And we, and so the, the, there's a, Atheist group, I'll call them atheists. Some people call them progressives or liberals. Uh, you choose the label that, that is constantly trying to convince black people, you can't make it here. White people have to do everything for you. And until you fix all of white America, you can't accomplish a damn thing here in America. Mm. And so there's they inflicted us with a mental disease of inferiority that unless some white liberal Jesus comes and saves us, we can't accomplish anything. I would put that as number two on the list of impediments. It all starts between the ears. And if you can convince these young people that they can't make it on their own, because, and again, if it's all connected to religious faith, because I was brought up in a church where they taught me, that as long as God was on my side and as long as I was right with God, how could I fail? Mm-hmm. And so we've abandoned God. We don't want him on our side anymore. We become very secular and we've bought into this myth that socialism, communism, uh, Marxism, free stuff is going and the government is now our God and our best friend. Uh, as long as those two things, as long as we abandon God and as long as we believe we can't make it without the help, support of all of white America, 
as long as we have this fundamental misunderstanding of what America provides, America provides freedom. We are putting out commercials asking for America to love us. Mm. God provides love. Mm. America provides freedom. And so, again, when you start looking for love in the wrong place. <laughs> Eternal attitude. Yeah. yeah. And trust, I, I, and again, I'm, I'm a sinner. So I have looked for love in the wrong place. I've been in a strip club looking for love, and it's not the place to find it. Yeah. It will lead you to doom and despair. Mm-hmm. It won't lead you to something better. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I just think you, those two things, and, and then are there, is, is there racism? Of course That's there right. is. Yeah. There's, racism is just a form of unfairness. Mm-hmm. And unfairness, according to the Bible, and those of us believe, that entered into the world in the Garden of Eden when we ate the forbidden fruit. Right. And so it's been here for a long time yeah. and it's not going anywhere. We're never going to eliminate until he comes back. Yeah. Unfairness is going to be here and people aren't going to, and, and we all know that racism flows all kinds of different directions. That's right. Black people can be racist, white people, Asians, Latino, it flows all the, and this whole thing, oh, black people can't be racist. We have no power. Mm. Stop it. Stop. (laughs) You don't even understand power and and how it's acquired here in America. I'll give you an example. In in North Carolina, I don't know, you guys are kind of young, but remember the Duke lacrosse deal? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was all. That was all about the power black voters had and the pressure they put on that district attorney in North Carolina. Yep. You're in a district dominated by black voters. The district attorney has to cater uh, to the black voters in his district, and so they tried to string up or uh, you know railroad yep. the white Duke lacrosse players on on, on the allegations of a uh, black stripper or escort. That, that that was black political power being mm. hung over the head of a white district attorney that that nearly ruined the lives of some young white Duke lacrosse players based off the word of of a black escort. So th- this whole thing, oh, we have yes, we do have power, and and we just saw it in the past election. That's why they're celebrating Stacey Abrams and her ability to get everybody in Georgia to or in Detroit to blah blah. So it, it's. Those are the two primary, and there's others I could point to, but again, yeah. walk away from God, there's some strict penalties. You didn't give him an organ. No organ. Where's the organ? You didn't give him an organ. So, Jason, um, our, our logo, I don't know if you can see our, uh, the shirt here, our logo is the, the flag bowed down, or the flag bowed down to the cross of Christ. Um, you know, we started our show in 2016 because uh, we believed the church wasn't teaching and discipling people on how to apply the Bible to every area of our lives. We've, we've kind of been a fragmented um, group of Christians. We, we have our, you know, we get our gospel sermon in the four walls of the church, and then we go out and don't really bring the scriptures out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, we look to, you know, Rush Limbaugh, who I like, but he kind of becomes our political pa- pastor during the week. He's, uh, we, we detach our Bible from our politics. We detach, we detach our Bible from our sports. We detach our yeah. Bible from our family. You know, it's a, it's been very fragmented, and we believe that Jesus is King, Kings, Lord, Lords. We believe, you know, Barack Obama needs to get on his knees and repent. We believe Trump needs to get on his knees and repent. We believe, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin. We want the Bible. We want the the, the gospel of the world, Christ world to, be, to, to permeate the world. Yeah, right. It, because 
you know, we believe that in, in, in Jesus, Psalm 16, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's right. The right hand of uh, pleasures are not found in the strip club. They are not found in BLM. They are not found in, in my own view of what I think good pleasures are and what I think good politics or good society is. Found in Jesus. Okay, Gabe, you're going to preach. You can, I, preach? I, can I get an organ okay. too? Okay. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, and so it seems like, to me, you're, you're dead on when our when Jesus is not at the top of that list you're you're when when yeah. God is not above all well then everything that from there just kind of falls apart in in everything so I, I'm just kind of commenting back at you on this yeah I think for and and I'm aware of it as it relates to black people I do think it's society at large yeah. this is not just a black issue. Uh, but we have two things are our new religion, race and politics. Mm. And uh, again, just like you said, Rush Limbaugh has a great or had a great political church. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Al Sharpton runs a nice little race church. Mm. Uh, ben, ben Crump runs a race church. Uh, and yeah. people go to those political and race churches and that they all take precedent over Jesus. And, and, and I keep having this discussion in my own family and I had it throughout the entire Trump four years. Mm -hmm. I kept, I kept asking people in my family, who do you talk more about Jesus or Trump? (laughs) That will tell you who you're worshiping. Trust me. I said, that will tell you who you're worshiping. It is. Jesus or Trump. And so I I go, maybe on Sundays for two hours in church, you talk Jesus. But it's even slipped in to the churches. The churches talk Trump on Sundays. And and it's like, like, wow, Trump is now competing with Jesus for time (laughs) inside the actual church. Right. Now, when people are at home, it's not even close. Yeah. It ain't even they are talking Trump nonstop. And and number two is Barack Obama. I'm talking about in the black homes and and probably in the white ones as well. But it's it's like Trump and Obama and Jesus falls somewhere well after those two. I mean, just well, they're lapping the field. And so I I used to because my grandmother is was probably the greatest force in my life. And I would hold her up as an example. I was like, now I know she was before Trump. She died before Trump. And I, I think she may have passed before Obama was president. But I was just like, Mama Lovey, and that was her name, Mama Lovey, or Lovey was her name. We called her Mama Lovey. And I said, she talked Jesus all the time. Mm-hmm. She watched, she'd be watching uh, the Pat Robertson or whoever, 700 yeah. Club. Sure. And I was like, 700 Club and all this. And so she like monitored Jesus all day yeah. the way that we monitor Trump. Yeah. She had her TV set up to monitor Jesus's activity all day and she would be talking about it. You get in a conversation. She knew what was going on in the political world and all that at, at that time, but she monitored Jesus all day the way that many people in my family monitor Trump and Obama. They could, oh, Trump did, 44 did this, 45 did this, 44, yeah. 45, 45. And 
it's we we're sick yeah. with our race and political religion and it's taken again we throw out and I I'm a non-voter I've never voted that's probably going to change in 2022 2024 I'm I'm probably going to vote because things have gotten so out of hand. I'm like, wow, I don't know if I can ignore this anymore. Now we know why Trump lost. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but I'm probably going to vote, but I I ask all the time, I was like, are y'all looking at this satanic stuff that we're moving into law? Yep. And and how does this jive with what we say we believe along religious lines? How can you, when it comes to politics, it's just like, well, I'm going to remove Jesus from this. Yeah. And he has nothing to do with politics. Who, 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 remove, who thinks it's a good idea to remove Jesus from any part of your worldview? Come on now. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's good. Jason, man, brother. Uh, we got to have you come back on the show. That was like three segments. That was, yeah, I, know, I, I, know. Realize, yeah. I think he likes yeah. us. He hung around a little longer. So. His answers got longer, too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> on my favorite topic. <laughs> this is, y'all, 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 y'all done moved me to my sweet spot. <laughs> uh, Jason, thank you for joining us, brother. I appreciate you, man. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. That's right. 2020, God exposed America with a bunch of viral particles, a plague. God flicked and we buckled. Our political leaders shut down their states in fear. Our pastors abdicated the church as non-essential. And we have been scattered by petty, tyrannical resolutions and edicts into our homes or hiding our shame with masks. Businesses have been shut down by arbitrary non-essential labels. Strip clubs, pot shops, and abortion facilities remained open while churches were threatened, regulated, and fined. First Amendment rights were trampled on as we Christians were arrested by despotic, unprincipled local governments. Citizens were harassed by unelected health districts, and communities were threatened in their houses by cops. This sounds like a third world country, a bad dream, but it is not. It is the new America. This America is ruled by fear. This America is ruled by opportunistic politicians who don't give a damn about you. This America breeds a compliant citizenry that cares more about their strip clubs and DoorDash deliveries that cares more about their safety and their comforts than the truth that Jesus is King of Kings and that our freedoms are protected by the Constitution. This America is worse than King George III's America. It's time to take a stand, but to stand requires courage and courage requires repentance. What we need is reformation and revival in our churches, in our families, in our communities, in our businesses, and in our government. Every square inch means the blood of Jesus. We need to cease this moment where all our sins, fears, and failures have been exposed by God through this plague and gather to sing psalms, to feast, and to get strengthened, to be encouraged, and equipped to lead America back to Jesus, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Governor after governor instituted some sort of shutdown, ignoring your constitutional rights. There was one governor, one state, that did not buckle and join the crowd of governors driven by fear. Governor Christine Nome has stood strong through this pandemic, and so we are bringing our first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast rally to Rapid City, South Dakota, April 29th through May 1st. Join us in the land of the free and the home of the brave as we learn to love God, sing psalms, and defy 
Tyrants.